there's a cop beating a guy, wherever a hungry newborn baby cries, where there's a fight against the blood and hatred in the air, look for me, I'll be there. We are Hottest 100s and Thousands, and we have taken control of your radio station. This is the podcast in which we talk about the songs that have been deemed hot enough to be in the Triple J Hottest 100. My name is David James Young. I'm one of the four voices you're going to be hearing for the next hour or so. Joining me once again, Mr. Andrew Kowalczyk. Happy to be here. Mr. Nathan Kowalczyk. <gasps> yep. And Mr. Adam Buntwalczyk. <laughs> I like... <laughs> See, the, 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 be- the beauty of that is that it rolls off the tongue so easily. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Give me those name change papers. <laughs> Sign me up. So nothing more to say. We're in for an interesting one this week. We've got a bizarre mix of, of songs and artists to talk about. Sounds like a hottest hundreds and thousands episode. <laughs> Am I right? Oh, we back. Fellas know what I'm talking about. To kick things off, we're going to bust out those sweet, sweet marimbas. We're talking about space. At uh, number 75, this is a song called Female. Of the species. Fellas know what I'm talking about. Put a lot of reverb on that. <laughs> space, space. See what I can do. Space. Coming in at number seventy-five in the nineteen ninety-seven Hottest One Hundred. That is a song called "Female of the Species." Andrew, you're more deadly than the male. Oh, thanks. Um, <laughs> I had this CD as a kid growing up. Hey. Uh, wow, you had a space. CD. Yeah, the record was called Spiders. Spiders, which, which is kind of like that's what they're getting out here. Like female funnel webs are the, like the yeah. really dangerous ones. Obviously, what they're playing with. They're more deadlier yeah. than the male. They are more deadlier more than deadly. the male. It's more almost male. like how much more deadlier could they be? <laughs> yeah, and the answer is none. None, none more, more deadlier. deadlier. <laughs> it honestly. Like, that, that is a choice lyric. Yeah. It's very Well, because yeah. it's, it's a Kipling poem, uh, more deadly than the male. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. But it's also taken partly uh, a lot of inspiration, both uh, thematically, aesthetically, and everything else, from a theme to a film called Deadlier Than the Male from 1967. So perhaps huh. that mispronunciation of the lyric is actually just an homage to a different title or a combination or bringing in a reference. Uh, well, I, yeah. I just think saying more deadlier is it's also choice. just very yeah. good. It, it, yeah. it, it just sounds good. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. also great. Yeah. Uh, but I think this is, uh, it's really interesting in a lot of ways, marrying and kind of like that the Britpop kind of tone of like an oasis kind of thing um, with like with like trip hop beats, Bond theme-esque strings. There's some real lounge in there yeah, as yeah. well. Yeah, that's yeah. right, yeah. Um, the vibraphone on Marimba or whatever it is is 
like super the unique. Mo- getting a mobile phone call, yeah. marimba, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> against like really thick drum beat. We'll talk about this like, when we talk about uh, the Verve much later in the countdown. But like, I, I like the idea of. I guess now towards the tail end of Britpop's heyday, bands like Space and again, I guess the Verve later, mm. trying to explore things outside of the traditional realm of guitar-based drums in Britpop. Um, yeah. yeah. Incorporating different I mean, ideas. Blur like was doing that as yeah, well. Yeah, true, true. That's a good yeah. point. I guess I'm, yeah, yeah. And even that. like more broadly, I guess you could say the existence of Beck and similar artists to that shows mm. that maybe alternative rock in general is going through a little bit of an experimental phase yeah. at the moment. In, with in relation with to samples with. and ideas. Yeah. And I guess we've, we've mentioned a few, way more than, when we started this podcast, I never thought we would talk about Bond themes this much. <laughs> but like, we certainly fucking have. Um, and like, when there's like, like, like the females and witchcraft part of the song, it yeah. sounds like a Bond theme. It's that sweeping kind of like that majesty and kind of thing like that. Like, I don't love this song, but I think it's a really interesting exploration of Britpop sensibilities with different ideas, like trip-hop beats, thickness, marimba, Bond music. Like, it's really choppy and changey for a lot of things. Any song where, that talks about like the female of the species, obviously there's a little bit of cringe looking at it with current yeah. ears, but like. Like, what 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 do you reckon this is on the horny scale? <laughs> I reckon like, I reckon last, last week's horny scale. That's a scale. good question, yeah. Devin. Hmm. I, I reckon it's about a six. Yeah, five or six. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, sure. it's, it's just <laughs> bubbling under. I could yeah. go for a bit of sex. It's yeah, it's, it's not. I wouldn't. It's like, not I'm not going to turn it down. But you wouldn't hear it and think, man, this guy is looking to lay some pipe. <laughs> no, you wouldn't. You're yeah. right. You would not think that. Say no. what you will about this song. <laughs> <laughs> So the first time I heard this song, I was pretty ready to just go like, okay, next, whatever. And then later on that night, I had a couple of glasses of wine and it was stuck in my head. And so I just found myself walking around my house going like, deadlier than the male. <laughs> and my housemates were like, what the fuck are you doing? And I enjoyed that a lot. So, and now nice. I'm looking for and a place I love to this live. Song. So, <laughs> I'm homeless, but I love this song. Uh, I am sleeping under the studio. It's, it is rough. But I have this song to keep me warm. I was wondering why you got here so early. And then I noticed the sleeping bag. Do you guys like this? Yeah, it's yeah. great. Yeah. It's just like yeah. like it's dumb and it's kind yeah. of bad or whatever. But it's great. Great's a strong word. Like, it's okay. I think like, it's great. No, it's I, great. I do think it's great. I'm, so, right. I'm just like, I'm happy about it because it's just a whole bunch of stuff that it's like, all it's right, so cool. weird. <laughs> like, they, they, they threw a lot of the wall to see what Oh, stick. my God. You know what's great is when they perform this live, apparently. Uh, they murder all the men in the audience. <laughs> 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 it's, it's actually really interesting that they would do that. <laughs> I just hadn't even considered the idea of them performing this live, and that thought brings me a lot of joy. Yeah, right? (laughs) Totally. You'll love this. The lead singer is known to walk down to the audience and shake as many people as he can by the hand. Oh, like like old school, like Sinatra style. Just, yeah, 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 yeah. He's, and uh, and that's just kind of what they do. Also, interesting fact, um, the, the front man I previously mentioned, and I didn't bother to check my notes to see what his name was, it's Tommy Space. Scott. <laughs> he wrote this one in tribute to his father uh, because apparently it riffed on a lot of the music that his father liked. Um, it was This was after his father died because... Um, his father was he, murdered by a woman. Dip- <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, he, yeah, he hated the, his son's taste in music, notoriously. Um, he doesn't. There's a- <laughs> yeah. It's part of being a dad, right, Nathan? Your son has shit taste, right. yeah. Just music. Oh, my God, it's terrible. What is he into these days? I don't even know. It's just, it's not music. That's, yeah, you, that's you, it. It's not real music. Remember that, uh, that, that racist two-piece band? Those, those two women that are neo-Nazis? Oh, oh, Prussian oh, blue. Yeah. Prussian blue. Oh, He's into Prussian blue. Yeah. I thought we were going to say the black keys. I'm like, wait a second. 
<laughs> that, that, that actual Nazi pop band is Jeff's favorite band. Yeah. yeah. Well, what are you gonna do? I've which, tried. I've which, tried my best. He's three now. I, yeah. like, I, I, I've done I, all I can. It's yeah. too late. It's, it's used a lot, but honestly, that is honestly just problematic. That's yeah, <laughs> yeah liking yeah. liking Nazi pop music. <laughs> three year old liking Nazi pop. Yeah. <laughs> so um, he wrote it in the style of the music that his father liked as a tribute. It, it does sound nice. it does That's sound old, like older world with old strings and stuff like that. That like, makes again, me like a little bit music. more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Deadlier than the males. It's fun. Yeah. At number seventy nine, this is Rage Against the Machine. This is the ghost of Tom Jones. Number 79 in the 1997 Hottest 100. That is the song The Ghost of Tom Joad, written by one B. Springsteen, who I don't know too much about, but apparently pretty popular. I think huh? he was like the manager or uh, of like oh, yeah, a, he was, a, yeah, some call, business. Yeah, they call him the boss. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, think, I think he's just a super patriotic, typical right-wing American. Yeah, that, obviously. That they, they like... Him. Yeah, big, problematically big, uncritical of things. Yeah, yeah, big Ronald Reagan fan. Yeah, anti-unionist. You know? Guys, yeah. we're talking about Bruce Springsteen, and he's none of those things. <laughs> Sometimes you don't know the assumed knowledge of listeners. <laughs> and the fourth Bruce wall Bruce comes tumbling down. Yeah, that's what we need. Sometimes, mm. it's like the Berlin Wall. <laughs> now, yes, I was born the year the Berlin Wall came down, so there's a segue. And you were also born in the USA. I, I was, indeed. and you're also born to run. I was born to run in the Look, USA. And your name is Tom Joad. And my name is Tom Joad. And you're dead. <laughs> <laughs> and um, 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 you're on fire. I'm trying to think of more Springsteen songs. going on right now? I know. So many layers. And I've got Hungry... What's his one? Hungry, He's got a Hungry Heart, yeah. Hungry Heart. I was, I was going like, Hungry, hungry Eyes. Hungry like the wolf. <laughs> what is it? What is it? Which one is it? Which is the Springsteen oh one? Oh my God. I want a Springsteen Duran Duran collab. Look, we all want a Springsteen Duran Duran collab. You don't need to say it, dude. Just goes without saying. We mention it every week. That would be an 11 on the horny scale. (laughs) Fucking hell. All right, so Rage Against the Machine. (laughs) Yes. 
So yeah, never, I was gonna I was gonna yeah. lead in by saying yes. You love Rage Against the Machine, definitely. I've never feel more at home in the '90s Hottest 100 Triple J environment yes. than when we're talking about uh, Rage Against the Machine. Indeed, because my love of Rage Against the Machine and the love of the listenership of Triple J, we are completely at one. This is you true. are my people, and I am here. But um, your relationship with Mr. Springsteen, the boss, the boss, is pending. <laughs> no, I, I don't actually know Bruce Springsteen that much. I feel like. It's silly because I'm really going to like... I know this. It's not even a question. I'm really going to get into Bruce Springsteen when it eventually happens for me, when I eventually crest over the top of that wave. But fun fact, I only listened to the original Ghost of Tom Joad that Bruce Springsteen did. Um, Back in 93, in I think? 95. Yeah. 95. 95. Yeah. yeah, I only listened to that like in preparation for this episode, despite oh, the fact that I have loved... This version by Rage Against the Machine since I was a teenager, since I first got into Rage Against the Machine, being one of the first bands that I ever got into. So I'll start, I guess, with the Bruce Springsteen song being the new discovery. God, it's lovely. That's it's amazing. Like it's a, the, the in, melody, it's a great song. Yeah, it's just soft and melodic. And it's like nineties really and two thousand stuff is like mostly overlooked because it wasn't like fucking humongous. But like, yeah. there are some gold in there man there's some really good tunes in there Tom Joad uh, the subject matter is actually taken from uh, the John Steinbeck classic novel The Grapes of Wrath as well which I wasn't mm. aware of I love this that uh, actually Morello, Tom Morello being the guitarist for Rage of the Machine, yeah. has ended up performing this with Springsteen on numerous occasions. There are several live I've seen it live. That is really nice. cool. The live duet version between Springsteen and Morello where they like trade off on lead vocals. Yeah. I think it's better than the Rage version and the original Springsteen version combined. Well, I just love the sense of community that both artists now have in sharing the song. Like it's, it's yeah. number one, really cool and humble of, um, of Springsteen to kind of be, you know be like that because honestly for many people Rage Against the Machine's version is the more popular more well known and maybe oh, more, def- more definitive version of the song uh, solidified by the fact that several bands have gone on to cover this cover um, really? Yes, I've not indeed. A- Rise Against have done it. Oh, no. So have- <laughs> that's, good. that's the right <laughs> Wait, no, that. wait. Rise wait. Against the Machine? No, thank you. Wait. So have Nickelback. <gasps> Whoa. <Yeah. laughs> Were you there well, for they, that one? They got, oh, I they just got did super woke last album. Yeah, they've been, they've been like woke for a while. Hey, they, th- there was a single called Standing on the Edge of a Revolution. That one, yeah. And oh, was like, God. fuck yeah. That's what an sick. incredibly bad song. <laughs> so, so good. I fucking love it. So this song also, I would say... Nickelback is, are horny. Is, is, is a belter, man. Like, the riff is probably one of Rage of the Machine's more iconic, huge riffs. Like, it's it's a stadium riff. It really more is. More so than anything else that they've yeah, ever done. Yeah, and considering this was tucked away for so long, like, it's, it's weird that, you know, people only came to properly discover it when it was put out about three years later on the, on the Renegades record. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's... Because uh, it was released prior to that um, in various different ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, it is featured on Renegades, uh, the album, which is uh, Rage the Machine's album of covers, which actually, as far as a cover album goes, it's pretty decent. Like, they, they do some really good versions. But, I mean, this is probably the far and away the highlight on the mm. album. You're just dealing with one of the best riff makers in the game, making one of the best riffs, supported by one of the most underrated rhythm sections in the game produced immaculately as well it just makes me think of searchlights and and barbed wire and like 
fires in bins and all the stuff that it should make me think about it's it's all there in the sonics and and the and the song like it's just just kind of gets it across perfectly it's just and and the way like it first kicks in you're on board like as soon as the riff hits just like cool yeah Mm. great the reverb on the vocals or whatever is just like shouted as if it was shouted through a megaphone i've always thought it had really a lot of atmosphere for a rage against the machine song which they do actually surprisingly well on a lot of their tracks. Yeah, but I think the echo the on the vocals. It's just super cool. Yeah. Um, so obviously I just absolutely love it, have always loved it, and it's super cool that it pops up in this countdown. Because both artists deal with like socio-political stuff in very different ways. So it's really cool seeing Rage Against the Machine adopt this much more like individual micro-personal story. Thematically still very on point for them, like... Yeah, that, that, that exactly kind right. of you know inequality and systematic oppression is not something that they they're strangers to at all. But it's a very different style of of storytelling. It's great hearing you know Zach. It's not a rap song originally, and so the way he mm. definitely makes it his own. But like you can see how he creates like meaning in a song is really on display here as well. And, and the same the rest of the band like it's just yeah yeah. Like I've talked a bit of guff about rage in the past about that, but this is like. Fuck, this is fucking fierce. This is just so... Like, the instrumentation is, like, chunky and brutal. And it's funny that, like, hearing the Springsteen original, I mean, you're like... Both of them sound like they shouldn't work as the other one. Yeah. You hear the, the, the Springsteen, like, how could that possibly be like a big funk metal monster? And you hear this and you're like, how could that work as a soft acoustic thing? But they both yeah. work brilliantly. And if, this- if you listen to one without knowing the other, you would think they were completely different. Songs. 100%. Yeah. yeah. This is like such an ideal 90s protest tune because Springsteen's audience obviously skews a lot older than Rage's yeah, yeah that's in the, very in true in the mid 90s like it speaks to how wonderful Rage Against the Machine work as a unit that they're able to take that the, like that the, again that personal kind of narrative that Bruce does so iconically and well like with his songwriting and turn that into a, like a 90s metal protest song it's, it's, yeah. it's just so so fierce I hadn't heard this before um, really yeah I, I only, well, prior to this podcast I'm sure. not a huge rage guy no, okay. it's, yeah. Yeah. but like this I, I thought was just remarkably good it's just like you, you hear the anger in Tom's voice he's such a great like mouthpiece for Bruce's ideals that are so personal mm-hmm. and so the thing about like the lyrics that you opened the episode with David that um, yeah. if like you see a cop shooting a guy and stuff like that like not that this is like and can you believe it's still happening but it's just stayed this is what angry rock music with a political bent should sound like yeah they, they, they do it perfectly this man is so Springsteen had a second life in, in funk metal man yeah, like, yeah, yeah. he could have he written a whole album of bangers for fucking Raiden I reckon yeah he, he, if, if he came on as co-writer they would have stayed together the ghost the ghost writer for Rage yeah. the ghost writer like- of Tom Jones <laughs> I'm always fascinated by covers where the only through line is the lyrics, where you completely dismantle the song and then rebuild it in a way that is unrecognizable until you see that through line in the vocals or in the lyrics and you find some little connection to find the way through. And I love that through line with this cover. I I hadn't heard it in so long because obviously like Renegades came out like nearly 20 years ago and it's been a fucking hot minute since I properly listened to it. But um, I just love what they've done here and I love the fact that it's really reflective of the diversity in interests and tastes that were always prevalent in Ranked Against the Machine. I got to interview Tom Morello a couple of months ago for the Prophets of Rage record, and he was talking about how one of the only things that everyone in Rage Against the Machine had in common 
was Public Enemy. Because everyone listened to so much different stuff. And, like, Tom Morello's always been interested in folk music. He's always been interested in, like, Woody Guthrie and stuff like that. And, you know, Bob Dylan, you know, they did the cover of Maggie's Farm. Um, yeah. And, like, I think this was definitely a Morello move to be like, let's see what we can do with a Springsteen song. Yeah. Mm. And, yeah. you know, because, like, he sees that trajectory, you know, like them in a through line. Voice of the people, voice of the people, voice of the people. You know, that's always how Morello has kind of positioned himself. Right, so, right. And we were yeah. talking about the relationship between folk and punk a little while yeah, ago. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that stuck with me as being like a really cool thing. Totally. Um, it's changed the way I've seen both of those genres, really. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, this is a, this is a really, really special song. And I think it's one of the coolest songs in this entire countdown. So, very stoked we got to chat about it. Nice. <laughs> Number 73, this is live with Lakini's Juice. It was an evening I shared with the sun To find out where we belong From the earliest days We were Coming in at number 73 in the 1997 Hottest 100 with a song called Lakini's Juice. This is the strangest live song that we have talked about by a significant margin. And a lot of that has to do with that fucking string section. I'm so I glad that- I can hear it now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm so glad I can be part of this discussion. Oh my god. Last season, couldn't do it. Couldn't hear strings. Now... Join the conversation. <laughs> join the conversation. It's nice to be here. It's funkier than most live songs. Yeah, yeah? Like, like that riff is fucking sick. Okay, let's get that out of the way. If I were to write a book called Sick Riffs, it would open, you know, like gift, like birthday cards when they open, they have a little song that plays. Yeah. Like, you would open up the book Sick Riffs and hear this one. Yeah. If you had a book called Sick Riffs covering, I assume, all of music, it would open up to this one. If you open it up on a particular page, then yeah. <laughs> well, okay. Uh, sure. Backpedaling. Yeah. The whole yeah. right. If there were the phone book of riffs, this would be in there. Totally. Yeah. No, because okay. every riff's in the phone book of riffs. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> this, is an, this is an unlisted riff. This is categorical. This is sick riffs. <laughs> okay. Unlisted riffs. I see. Private riffs. <laughs> Private riffs. How did you get this riff? Yeah. <laughs> I put this removed from your directory page. Yeah. Just be careful when you're opening it up to the uh, freak on a leash page because, like, shit will get broken. Mm. Like, you think you're ready for it and Sounds then it like fucking... like a terrible book. <laughs> 
Sounds dangerous, at least. It sounds like Fuck, it has I'm some sick of, the of you quali- disrespecting me as an author. <laughs> it sounds like it has some of the qualities of like a music library, but with a lot more like inconvenience. <laughs> you know what? You are not invited to the book launch. This is great. Sick riff. This is something everyone can enjoy, <laughs> including me. I can enjoy not getting this book. Eat Fa- famously anti-riff, Nathan. <laughs> oh, you're the worst. <laughs> My point is, the riff is sick, and then they just fucking come in like, I'm like, what are you doing? Too many cooks, motherfuckers. This is too much shit for this song. It doesn't fit. Like, I'm expecting it to just fucking go hard, more guitar, fucking into something. Like, And then it's just, and I'm like, what is this Aladdin shit? What's this Danny Elfman shit? Like, what the fuck is going on here? It almost sounds like a Bollywood soundtrack. It's fucking so strange. I want a copy of this record with all that bullshit taken out. Just focusing on the sick riffs. Because if you t- if I had the Adam Buncher deficiency of not being able to hear the strings, oh, I well. would love this song so much more. And I hate being critical of life because they're so fucking good. And I love this fucking band, but sometimes your heroes let you down. It gets some good Ed vocals in this, though. The yeah, le- you let do. It ride. He's like living for the my friend. He's getting his voice out. <laughs> yeah, hang on. I-, I just want to get something straight here. You don't like this song. I like parts of this song. I don't like the string section because I think it offsets the whole fucking thing. Right. Am I wild for thinking no, no, that? No, no. Is that a radical it, it, flaw? It comes out of fucking nowhere, but I don't, I, I, because I am not as invested in live, I didn't, I didn't mind it. I was like, oh, they're, they're trying this. That's fucking weird of them. I don't think it works that well, but it's, yeah. It, yeah. <sighs> I really like this. Okay. I really, I, I didn't think that I would be arriving here today talking about a live song and uttering those words. And I have to say that at the, the, the beginning of the song, like, it did get me with that riff because it kicked in and I was like, oh, hey, okay, right, all right. Mm. And then Kowalczyk came in and he Kowalczyk up a little bit. And I was like, oh, okay. But then. That's what Kowalczyk does. But, yeah, and I thought, like, He's I, the heart. And I was like, oh, I kind of wish you were Gavin Rossdale right now uh, <laughs> or, or someone else. But then. You know who like, else wishes he was? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then the strings actually were the thing that sold me. I was just like, this is huge. This is Show so you're big. working. Show you're working. I liked hearing the strings. It made me like the song more. I, there's no more working to it than that. And then the chorus came in and it became next level huge and I have a theory that when something gets big enough it doesn't matter whether it's good it just it's huge you can't do anything with it it obscures your vision to the point where it's like there, there is no good or bad all I can see is this and that's what this song is like there is no good or bad there's only Lakini's juice man there's a <laughs> lot of juicero that's it that is it that's where I'm at with it it's just like it's just it's just too huge mm-hmm. it's too huge because of the strings because of that Absolutely wild chorus. I think I'm on board. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Let's co- let's cross to the 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 two chads. Oh, hi there. Yeah. <laughs> What's your stance on this shit? Look, I think uh, you know if you're a mediocre post grunge band living in a mediocre post grunge world, you feel <laughs> you. panicked and forced to make like overt like creative choices that don't work out. I think. I think neither half of this song is good. I, I, I think it's chunky and somewhat like the instrumentation is more interesting than I was expecting from live. But like the, the notes that I wrote, I wrote the strings are there. Not sure if they're pleasant or not, but they're there. So that's it. I, 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 yeah. My notes are this is shit. Call us when dolphins cry. <laughs> <laughs> it was getting late in the night when we listened to this one. <laughs> oh no. 
I'm on my own. No, I think it's all right. I'm on my own with live. I at least expected to have a moment of like solidarity. solidarity with my man over there, but he's not with me. I want to be. And if there was, you know, an you alternate the universe no where I had your fucking deficiency. <laughs> I love the strings. But I'm like, I think I'm a bit of a sucker for them now that I can hear them. <laughs> I'm just all about them. It's like you you, like everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I literally do. I want to make up for all the lost time where I couldn't hear strings. Now I can hear strings. It's just like strings. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's that's what's going on. I'm just I'm just excited that yeah. there's strings. Guys. That could I'm be just it. That I can hear that strings. That could absolutely okay. be it. Give me like a month and I'll be like, what's going on? Maybe. I probably won't be listening to this song in a month. I'm only going to be listening to this song now, and I had fun. So the two times <laughs> in my life, good, that's fine. The two times in my life that I'm going to, that I listened to this song to prep for this episode, I really enjoyed it. Was it was good enough. I lent into you. it and had a really yeah. good time. Good for you. And number seventy-two. This is front and loader with pulse. Coming in at number 72 in the 1997 Hottest 100 with a song called Pulse. And of all the people in this room that have a pulse, Nathan Harrison is absolutely one of them. True. I think this is just like super good, clean, fun, like Aussie rock. Like, yeah. I had so much mm-hmm. fun with this. I don't I don't know if I've heard it before, but I know of Front End Loader. Yep. Oh, um, the same. Yeah, certainly like just getting thrown around in the same sort of conversations like Body Jar and stuff. Mm. A lot of those bands that when I got into Friends of Rome, I was like, I'm not so fussed on Body Jar and their friends. So I think, yeah, I didn't go much further in that direction. But I think this is great. I think there's a real lineage in terms of um, thinking about bands like Hoodoo Gurus influencing this. Nice, nice. Also yeah. like, you know, contemporaries with Living End. I think there's yeah. a very clear link here with The Shuffle, which is just so much fun the whole time. And then, like, how, yeah, this this kind of stuff would definitely influence future Australian bands as well, which is cool. The rhythm section is huge. I love how the guitar and the vocals are constantly playing with the kind of choppy staccato and sustained stuff. Like, some points, you know, the guitar is choppy and the vocals sustained and they swap and they both do. I think that's just, like, very fun. And then the chorus is just huge and great and whole thing's a nice tight three minutes. It's I just had super fun. Yeah, front end loader, F-E-L. For fellas, um, they've always ex- know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've always existed on the periphery of my like Australian rock music knowledge and taste. I guess like this is good fun. Like it's, it's exactly that. It's, it's it's fun. It's not quite at the caliber of like a UMI, obviously, um, but it is good. What I really like the mixing is really spacious. It's like mm. the guitars are really around you and the vocals are right in front. It's really really well engineered, and that's really remarkable. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I'm glad you mentioned the rhythm section because drummer Peter Kostic also. Played in the Gurge and the Hard-Ons. Yes. Proves his worth Still again as one of Australia's finest drummers. I'm sure yeah, you're with me, absolute David. Beast. Absolute mm-hmm. beast. And yeah. does a damn fine job here. Um, I, saw, I saw him play with the Hard-Ons and... Um Kish, their original drummer, also was like there. So that it was like an anniversary show they had. So they had every member of the band that had ever played with them. And so um, at one point, Pete and um, Murray, their current drummer, were both playing drums at the same time. Nice. It was fucking sick. 
if you were being harsh, you'd say it's serviceable, but um, in, in a good mood, it's just damn fun and very, like, it's sensibly well done, non-offensive rock music. It's just very, very, like, not like wholesome, like it's like a warm blanket or anything like that, but it's just fun, it's there, yeah. it's present. And the classic, this is when, when people talk about 90s Triple J, this is the kind of shit that they're probably remembering. It's stuff that mm. you, that is damn fine at the Hot 100 barbecue you're having. It's perfect for that kind of environment, and it's in, it's like... It, it just encourages a good time, and it's good enough, yeah. Which is interesting, considering that I think there's also a really strong emotional pull to the song. Um, it's, from what I can gather, about assisted suicide. Oh. Yeah. Ah. But it is fun. Yeah. That's the th- no, that's, but that's the thing. Like, it's doing that thing where it is really fun, but if you listen to the lyrics and whatever, and you kind of dig in, like, there's a, a grief in it. Um, mm. and, a, and a kind of troubled kind of nature to it. And for that reason, it kind of reminds me of a bit uh, of The Smiths and The Cure. Because of that kind of like okay, interesting lineage, yeah, mm. I, I really got a Smiths Cure kind of kind of vibe from it. But I agree with you, like super fun, despite that. And I think like that that complexity or being able to, I love it when bands kind of do that, like that kind of you know they got the swing thing going on, mm. um, but there's a you know there's they're disguising what what it is is actually going on emotionally in the song. I'm always I'm always about that. I love um, the story behind the name Front End Loader. Uh, in their own words, they said uh, they just came up with a strictly temporary title uh, until they could think of something better because they wanted to enter the Sydney University Band Comp, um, which they made the final of nice. alongside Frenzel Rom. Uh, yeah, which is really nice. But they both lost out to another group. Who was that other group? Um, Who was? I think that this is probably a song that uh, I, I, you guys say a lot of people have a nostalgia for, and I think it still stands up. If this was released tomorrow, it would probably still you know, get a lot of airplay. I think mm. there are a lot of Australian bands now that are doing a similar kind of sound mm. and, and could have written this song or could write this song, and it would go really well. It's just that very agreeable, super-friendly, like... Oh, wholesome is the wrong term, but you yeah, know, but you, just you, like I, homegrown Aussie rock, and is, the, you know, yeah. like like the Fobes and even, and, yeah. you know, all that sort of stuff. It's just a couple of beers at the Annandale. You know, it, it's fitting that the final ever show at the Annandale was a front end loader show. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, it couldn't have been any other way. When you say well, uh, uh, Sydney band as well, yeah, yeah, agreeable is the right word. It's there and it's, it's cracking your beer for you. A bottle opener of a song. <laughs> I know it's a term that get used a lot. We, <laughs> everyone always talks about bottle opener songs, but this is one of them. That is actually something I could see taking off as a term. Front and Loader definitely have um, fucking, what are they called? Beer? Cold? Stubby Holder. Stubby Holder, there we go. They'd have Stubby Holders for sure. I'm so fucking un-Australian, I don't remember that shit. <laughs> <laughs> one time, <laughs> one time Fastle Out has sent me a, uh, like a bottle opener and I didn't know what it was. <laughs> as, a, as a non-drinker, why would you use that though? That's yeah. A, yeah. <laughs> Opening bottles of soy sauce. This strange piece of metal. This is very strange piece of metal. From the future. And number 71, this is Robin Lau with Sick With Love. with 
Robin Lau coming in at number 71 with Sick With Love. And I am always sick with love when it comes to Andrew McDonald. Ah, nice. That's a good one. Um, (laughs) He's the villain. Yeah, look. Yeah, but he loves the villain. That's all right because I love the way you lie. Yeah, this is uh, like, I hadn't heard it, hadn't heard of Robin Lau. I presume it's how you say her surname. Do you feel like you should have, though? A little. Mm. It, sound, it sounds like in my... Well, I was aware of her group, Girlfriend. Like, oh. so she she broke away from like a like a girl group, like a pop group. Right. Yeah. Um, so like, they were kind of, kind of like Kate Sobrano with I'm Talking. Yeah. And yeah. Girlfriend were pretty big. They were big enough to have their own clothing line at Maya. <laughs> this is very true. Really? Yeah, really. Yeah. Oh, I thought you meant because there's a, 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 like a yeah, label yeah. called Girlfriend. I'm nope. like, oh, yeah, good one. Oh, they could have had their own. No, no, no. They like, yeah. They actually, <laughs> that, that, that really happened. Huh. Yeah. Okay, my problem with this song is that I feel like it feels rushed. It not in it's not in composition, mm. but it feels like it's rushing. I know this is very typical of me to bring up as a as like a vaporwave wanker. But <laughs> if you play this on, you know, how YouTube lets you select the speed of a video. If you play this, play this, at, <laughs> play this at seventy five percent. It's much better. It's really good at seventy five percent of the speed. It feels like that's the song that she should have written, and that, that way it feels more like a groovy, Portis heady, trip hop thing rather than this pop song, which I think is trying to get to the end too quickly. Yeah, I, I felt like it was a bit underproduced yeah. for what it was going for. Like, it, yeah, I think the, mm. there's a palette of sounds mm. here that you like. I know what the goal of this is, but it doesn't quite fit together properly. And yeah, maybe yeah. maybe it just needs to be played. Slow. Yeah, it does. Trust me. Yeah, um, I can't like this song because it, yeah. it, it doesn't get me there. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah fair. I mean, I, I kind of like its ambition as well. And oh my god, that is the most '90s pop song opening sound in the when she yeah. starts singing. I was like, whoa! I know exactly where we are. Yeah, it's like you know what I find really fascinating about her vocal performance is is how clearly she's putting on that pop star voice because when she's doing the 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 chorus where it's a little bit heavier. It disappears completely, that, like that affected pop style, mm. and so like she's it's 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 weird. Like she's kind of leaning into that way more than is natural for her. I, I think the switch up is kind of interesting, but probably not interesting enough, especially because it does it twice. Like I think maybe if the song changed and stayed there, like it just all of a sudden this is now the song and it gets messy and it ends. Like that probably would have been a little bit more interesting. I think this is also really interesting to consider in in relation to it being like an alternative pop song. Um, and how much, you know, where, where it kind of sits in relation to the alternative in the mainstream. I think potentially we're at a time in the 90s where this and this song kind of reveals it. Maybe in Australia it's only only kind of happening because this was a charting hit. Mm-hmm. Where it, And it's it's weird because to me it's like too alt and too weird I to be a mainstream pop hit, but it's it's kind of a bit too clean yeah. still to the, be this, on yeah, alternative. This, seems like, yeah, this definitely yeah, seems yeah. like so Triple J this. played in 1997 Best new music out right now in 1998 on the pop radio. Mm. So um, I love this tie-in that uh, from a song we were talking about last week, we talked about Mark of Cain uh, doing Degenerate Boy being the soundtrack to Idiot Box, which Robin was in. She's an actress as well. Um, She was in Idiot Box. Um, Serial, bro. And also she uh, appeared in TV dramas such as Wild Side and All Saints as well. Mm. All Saints. Yeah, there you go. You would have that, seen her. That, that, that's fully totally out. Like, you know, like in the UK, every actor gets a plot on the bill. I yeah, All yeah. Saints was ours. Also, yeah. also, I don't know how legitimate this is, but uh, if you go to the, the YouTube clip for this song, the first comment is someone saying, like, that's my auntie. She's beautiful. So is that well, actually your auntie? She's beautiful. <laughs> that's, that's very wholesome. Yeah, sure. It's really dumb. Yeah. It's actually her auntie. 
Maybe it's someone being too horny for their aunties. Maybe, Whoa, maybe it's just like a, yeah, wow. I, it's, it's possible. Wow. That kind of stuff happens on the internet. People getting horny. <laughs> on the main, yeah. Did you like this? Yeah, it's nice. It's got all those kind of little like like you said, those those nineties trope codifiers, like the like the, that weirdly sampled and like reversed like synth string stuff. Like I like the little effects and the vocals like when she sounds like she's talking into an old time phone at that, that point. Oh yeah, it does sound like that, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. it's weird. Production's weird. I'm my from pocket for you. Like that shit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> darling. I just think... <laughs> Little Adam Bouncer. He came to escape from Nazi prisons. At Our first brave... he couldn't hear strings, and now he can't. Our brave boy in blue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. I just realised. Gotham is yours. <laughs> it's a big song for you. For you. Were you expecting Robin Lowe to get in the hottest 100? Of course! <laughs> 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 Insane. Uh, that brings us to the No, no. <laughs> that brings us to the end of yet another episode of Hottest 100s and Thousands. Thank you very much for listening. Thanks to FBI Radio for having us. Before we get out of here, we're going to pick our favourites and our least favourites interesting one like i said it's a fucking weird group this week but uh for my favorite i reckon i'm gonna go with raids against the machine goes to tom Joad, and i reckon i might have a new carryover <gasps> champ so oh. fucking power to race him on that front and for least favorite uh, i don't know i don't want to pick any of them but really yeah i don't want to <laughs> hurt live you don't understand. Dave, kill your idols. All right, fuck it. They're done. Live, you're, you're in the Whoa! bin. Oh! You better not carry you over chumps. You didn't mean literally. They're, yeah, not carry over chumps, but like <laughs> they are on thin fucking ice. Whoa. Jesus. My, my favourite was also Rage Against the Machine. My champ remains Dandies. And my least favourite was Robin Lau. My chump remains Beaver. <laughs> my favourite was Rage. Champ remains Dandies. Least favourite, Live and Beaverloop. My champ is Rage. You! Hey. Yeah. Um, and my least favourite for this episode, it was Sick With Love, um, but I also will be retaining the beavers in in, in anger. Beavers! Um, also, I, I, I feel pretty okay about the, the fact that I like a live song that other live fans don't like. I think that's a comfortable place for me. I'm just thinking about pretty that neat. now. One other live fan. You don't, you don't know us. <laughs> you are the representative Hashtag for all live fans. Live fans. <laughs> yeah. Indeed, you are. I like some. Only the ones that other live fans. Like that's right. Oh. That's right. I'm happy with that now. It's very, yeah. Well, on behalf of Mr. Adam Butcher, cheers, Mr. Nathan Harrison, bye, and Mr. Andrew McDonald. Good night. My name is Danger Jam Jack. Everything is good for you.